great. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Welcome back to another podcast in our Altmed series. Um, we're very pleased today to have with us a special guest. Um, you might know him from CBD Reviews Australia. It is the one and only Stephen. Mm. Stephen, welcome. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, Andrew. Some, hey, some know him as Stephen NG, but it's definitely... Mm. <laughs> hey, how are you doing, Steve? Pronounced perfectly. <laughs> perfectly. Yeah, I'm doing all right. How about you guys? Very yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, very good. Very yeah. pleased to, um, to have you on. You're out. You're actually our first guest that we've had. So um, yeah, we're, we're absolutely thrilled to uh, to get you on. But um, I guess other than other, other than the one we had last week. <laughs> well, I, I feel honoured either way. <laughs> sorry, you're, sorry, you're the first. You're, the, you're first, the first, second guest. You're the first CPD <laughs> reviewer we've had. Um, so maybe uh, we might get you to just talk a little bit about your background and, you know, how you got into this space. Yeah, um, I guess I can start off. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll, start, I'll start from the beginning, I suppose. Um, uh, if you're talking about cannabis in general, um, uh, my brother um, introduced me to it like uh, way back when, when I was probably like 16 or 17 or something. So that's a long time ago now. And uh, uh, kind of long story short, I en enjoyed it. I was probably actually technically self-medicating at that point without realizing it. I think a lot of people do get introduced to cannabis or, you know, potentially even other, you know, um, chemicals or pharmaceuticals or whatever by self-medicating without realizing it. Um, but uh, I enjoyed cannabis. It helped me through that patch of my life. Um, and we ended up growing it on our balcony. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my first introduction to cultivation. Very basic, very basic stuff. Like I think it was like half a dozen plants or something. Um, this is like in a residential area as well. And no one seemed to care, <laughs> funnily enough. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, that was just like a little experiment. Um, and that and was when you realized you were, you were a bit of a green thumb. Uh, oh, I wouldn't say I'm a green thumb. I'm pretty good at killing plants, actually. Um, but it's pretty successful <laughs> at, at doing that one crop that I, I tried with him. Um, so and we didn't we didn't do any more further exploration after that. But uh, then I basically, I mean, I got as you know, as you get older and you know become more mature and um, you know you have a career and everything like that. Um, I I guess forgot about cannabis. Um, and uh, it was only actually my dog actually that reintroduced me back into cannabis in some form in the form of CBD because my dog has epilepsy and this is probably going around three and a half years ago now and uh yeah sourced CBD off a black market person because that was the only way to get it basically in Australia at that point in time um uh really helped his epilepsy really really helped it um and like his attacks went from like you know like maybe like one a day down to like one a week and then like once every couple of weeks and then all of a sudden his attacks actually increased again and i was like wait a minute this is a bit weird um why is he why are these attacks increasing? this this is obviously working right so i was like okay well this bottle is unlabeled i'm buying it from some random website um you know i don't know where its origin was i don't even remember it now and i was like well no label the guy's a real charmer here on the phone, like, you know, like uh, one of those salesmen, I guess you could say, um, yeah. talks a lot. And I was like, okay, well, how do I find what's actually in this? You know, what, what, what's, what's actually in this? So how do they test this for this or something like that? So started reading research, peer-reviewed articles, like, you know, following guys. I was like, okay, well, found a couple of kits on the internet, ordered some basic ones off eBay, tested the product. And I was like, oh, okay. This was like a basic test. Of, you could only test for THC presence or CBD presence. I was like, okay, no THC. That's a good thing. And no CBD either. Okay. <laughs> so then I, because I had an old bottle and I was like, okay, this latest couple of bottles I got, I was like, okay, I'll compare it to this old bottle. I had some like little dregs left in the bottle. I was like, okay, well now they smell totally different. Mm. Right, then I thought, okay, well, I'll try a taste test myself. Um, you know, I probably should have done it before giving it to my dog. I don't know. Um, but, um, I do that. Yeah, I was like, hey, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought this is the thing. It was like the, the taste was totally different mm -hmm. between the, the two bottles. I was like, okay, 
something's going on here. So yeah. I thought, okay, well, this is a basic test. How do I find out really what's in it? Um, and I uh, found more advanced tests. I think it's the, um, I think it's called the AlphaCat test. Um, uh, and it uses thin-layer chromatography um, to a very basic scientific sort of test to test for presence of cannabinoids. You can use it to test like, you know, presence of different compounds, depending on what reagents or whatever you use. Um, it's, you know, I think it's commonly used in primary school science um, and even high school science. Uh, it's not very good for testing, um, I guess you could say quantity, um, quantifying actual cannabinoids or, or things, but testing for presence, I think is pretty good as long as you can establish a baseline. Um, so I got this kit, tested it. Again, no CBD, no TSC, no cannabinoids at all. And I had a reference sample because at that point I found someone else to, that had some real stuff that actually smelled like cannabis. Um, and uh, to cut a long story short, um, uh, ended up, um, I guess you could say, like helping found CBD Reviews Australia Facebook group because um, uh, someone found the group and other people had been ripped off by this person um, and multiple other people. And obviously it was a common thread a couple of years back because people were, yeah. new thing really and people were just being taken advantage of people were just selling like olive oil and whatever to mm. old ladies people that are dying of cancer and just ripping them off and i'm just like what the hell this is excuse my language but this is bullshit this is yeah. this is unacceptable um yeah and long story short the group's grown like you know like over eight thousand 8, people now it just shows that people want some genuine information genuine product quality product, um, yeah. yep. tested product, um, you know, and they want to know the, the prices of it. They want to know where to get it, you know, legally, um, you know, through clinics or doctors. Um, so, yeah, so that's a short thing, <laughs> if you could call that short. <laughs> that's a, that's an amazing story. And genuinely, I think I speak on behalf of everyone who's a member of that group and just saying thank you for... <laughs> I guess going out and uh, and getting that testing kit and, and really taking the lead with trying to find out what's in your oil. Um, no, thanks. Yeah. I mean, yeah, one I of those. Heard of, I, I first heard of Steve, I think, when uh, I, some something to do with data, maybe some. Uh, he, I heard he's really good with Excel, that kind of thing, and um, I, I noticed that he was very integral in, in some of the online communities, and I just saw him always helping out basically anybody who had any queries about anything that he that he could from the, the the way that the cbd interacts to the types of products that are out there to where you can go and i, I just thought okay there's def definitely somebody that um we need to get to know somebody that's actually got an intrinsic motivator completely like just doing it out of the passion of the the pure passion for the for helping people so i, I could definitely that that, that shone through for me and I knew yeah. that was. No, oh, thanks. That's really that's really nice of you to say, Mitch. Thanks, thanks for that. Um, and I think your passion is the right word. Um, like, you know, a lot of people in the community are passionate. Um, there are a lot of um, different groups out there. A lot of different people, individuals. Um, you know, businesses, both on the legal and black market side, that are genuinely passionate about cannabis. And it's not just CBD; it's cannabis in general. Um, you know, and that that goes for you guys as well. Um, like. Tell me a bit more about um, yourselves, Andrew and Mitch. Well, I, I mean, one of the things that you know strikes me about CBD reviews is I know there might be some people in the, you know, the for want of a better term, legal cannabis industry that you know that might look at CBD reviews and say, well, hang on a second, we've got some of our products in there mixed with some black market products. But to my mind, um, the forums and the community there, it's it's really a snapshot of the real picture of how CBD is being consumed in Australia. We know that, you know, more than 90% of CBD consumed in Australia is black market. And if you don't believe me, have a look at Sydney Uni, Lambert Institute has, has put out mm. some commentary on that. And so, you know, it's, um, it's really a chance for people who are genuinely part of that community to, um, to really you know, share reviews, share experiences and, and talk about what's worked or hasn't worked for them. And also I think, and this highlights something you said to really make, to keep the 
people across the legal and black market sector honest because um, there are definitely some scammers out there. Um, one thing you also said that just stuck out in my mind is that, you know, if somebody had a dog with epilepsy, even now in 2021, um, mm -hmm. there are no legal access pathways that I'm aware of. I know that the APVMA, the regulator, um, is, is considering medicinal cannabis um, access pathways. But, but at the present time, if you have a dog with, with a condition that you think, you know, could be could benefit from CBD or, or just medicinal cannabis in general, um, you, you have no choice but to source that in the black market. That's correct. So, you know, it's, um, it's really difficult. And it's, it's really difficult, especially when you consider that when we look abroad at other jurisdictions like the US, like Europe, mm. um, that CBD is, um, you know, it's definitely a really big part of the CBD market in, in other countries. So we, we still haven't got there yet, but um, but look, it's it's hopefully something that's not too far away. Yeah, hopefully um, things are things are moving um, in Australia, I believe, um, from a legal framework perspective. But as you mentioned, like if you have a sick pet, and you know, um, uh, I I'm a hundred percent believer of 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 helped many um, animal um, lovers and pet owners um, for dogs and other creatures and um you know i know myself personally like my my boy he's um he's attacks have gone from like one a day like i said to like now he literally has an epileptic attack once every three months wow. um once every three months and say level wise it used to be like seven or eight on a scale of one to ten now like when he has one it's like probably a two out of ten and that's at that three month like time frame and I actually give him like a few drops um, um, when I catch him having the seizure and it's over with within like 60 seconds. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, it, so it, it works. Um, one thing I was hoping to touch on during our sort of conversation today is given that you're someone who I would consider to have a really broad eye on the industry as a whole, um, what are some of your observations? I know we've sort of talked privately about um, the emergence and prevalence of, um, I guess, alliances between clinics and products and how that affects um, prescription choices and pricing. I know we could probably talk about this for hours and hours on end. Yeah, know, definitely. Mitch <laughs> and I promise we won't torture you with that. We only need four, <laughs> we just need four hours of your time today. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> Well, I can ask what your opinions are on that. I don't know. I'm from, you know, from, from, from your expertise and backgrounds. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, to go back and maybe put both of your questions to, together a little bit about us and, and, and a bit about um, our perspective on that, I guess. So without getting too into it, we, uh, Andrew and I obviously have an import license and, and we're involved in the game, for full disclosure. But um, we, I, I come from a quite a long lineage a big big kind of cannabis family we've been involved for a long time in europe in america and various other places um uh, specifically on the genetic side of things um i've worked in, on farms since i was six years old so i've been around wow. it's in your blood <laughs> yeah well I, I think if you tested it it might be yeah but i'm not sure uh, <laughs> <laughs> it might um, be green might be green <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it might be green. It might. It's definitely got a couple of uh, cannabinoids in there at some point. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, in terms of, we, we don't. I'm, I'm not too quick to judge. I mean, everybody is, you know, people are in it for for business purposes. People are in it for more intrinsic purposes. We tend to stay as neutral as possible because we like to. We don't. I think reputation is important to us. We, we, we like to also be in control of what we do as much as possible. Um, and because we like to be able to make those decisions very quick and, and agile mm. as we see it. And, and we like to have a lot of control over the products that we're doing because for us, products are paramount um, because that's at the end what the patient is going to experience. It's not mm. about you know, a brand or, or it, I mean, it is about a brand, but it's not a, it's not purely about brand. It's, it's, it's really about the, the, the genetics and, and what people are getting in their 
medicine. So mm-hmm. from us, it's not as much about, you have to play the game because there's games out there and people making alliances and things like that. But I think um, it's more interesting for us to hear from your perspective because you're really m- much more neutral even than us. And, and you're, you've got the finger on the pulse. You're, you're dealing with the everyday person trying to access and the trials and tribulations they go through on a daily basis. And you hear and you, you're, you're helping them um, with their, the issues they, they encounter on, on a day-to-day basis. So mm-hmm. for us, I think um, maybe the alliance thing is, is important to touch on, but I, I'm actually also curious on what it is that people are, you know, what are the, the basic um, pain points for people out there that, that they're looking to mm. kind of overcome on, a, on an everyday yeah, basis. I'm, I'm happy to elaborate on that. Um, you know, uh, firstly, I, I do pride myself on being like unbiased and uh, impartial. Uh, it's very difficult to, to do, um, like especially on the industry side of things, um, because as you said, of the alliances and competitive nature of you know the business of the cannabis industry, especially being such a nascent um, industry, um, like basically everyone's still really in startup mode um everyone's moving their chess pieces and everything like that you know making alliances um you know there's probably over the next like just my personal observations i think over the next you know a few years there's going to be a lot of um mergers and acquisitions um uh you know some places are going to survive some aren't um and that's from aprio styles yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's a big that's a big big one. Um, so I mean, like, I don't know what's going to happen here in Australia, but um, you know, like, I'm not going to talk about like the stock prices and finances and all that sort of stuff. But um, from from the patient perspective, I know that um, one of the issues is that yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gave him some oil earlier. Actually, I give it to him every day. So, but it's uh, he's still he's still you know, neutralizes some of his anxiety and stuff like that. But he's, you know, dogs, they're always going to bark. Um, so again, back to the, the patient side, like patients, I guess, generally aren't aware that, say, if they go to an actual clinic, right? Most clinics, there's probably, there's probably like almost 20 of them now, if not more, um, that specialize in medicinal cannabis. Um, and most people aren't aware that most clinics have some sort of strategic alliance um, with say a product, um, uh, whether they're a subsidiary company, they're a subsidiary company of a producer or a cultivator um, or an importer or a distributor themselves. Um, and, you know, you go to a doctor and you think you're just going to get prescribed what is actually, you know, appropriate for your condition, right? But I've heard stories just through the grapevine and like observing commentary and just generally through private messaging from actual patients. Um, stories of like, you know, uh, doctors and clinics going to prescribe something that they actually have a direct conflict of interest with because it's something that they distribute, that they sell, that they actually, they as an individual, as a doctor, um, actually collect money on like as a percentage um, as well as the clinic fees on top of it you know so how is that not like a you know a bit of a conflict Um, and this is not just like one clinic you know Um, this is like you know probably a number of clinics um, because of the the way the business model is and you know that's why one another reason what I do is I provide that information about products and prices of of that data so that patients can say take the spreadsheet I create to a doctor and go, hey, these are actually all the products actually available. Um, you know, um, you know, pres- choose one, prescribe the right one for me, you know. Um, and patients should probably ask them, be like, hey, are you affiliated with this product you're prescribing me? Um, you know, sometimes they are, and it's sometimes for it's a well-intentioned purpose for say research for instance, um, and to gather data to, you know, help improve the industry and prove that cannabis is something that's, you know, has good efficacy for a particular condition. But uh, that's that's a point that I think a lot of people are unaware of. They just don't know that what they're going to be prescribed is actually genuinely exactly what they need. Yeah. Um, the, the interesting thing from a legal point of view, um, I, I think one of the things that is the other side of the coin here is 
that businesses are just adapting to the framework that's been set up by the TGA. So for example, you know, the authorized prescriber scheme was set up to avoid having to have doctors on a case-by-case basis lodge special access scheme, you know, applications to the TGA, await the TGA's approval, then send that approval plus the prescription to the chemist. I mean, this can take sometimes, the TGA has generally turned around SAS applications fairly sort of expeditiously in sort of a matter Mm. of four hours. But even still, an authorized prescriber access pathway allows a person to come to a clinic to get a script straight away. However, the scope of that doctor's, um, or that doctor will have a scope of products which they That's can, right. which attach to their status as an authorized prescriber. And so it's a difficult one where, yeah, the, the doctor ideally should be product agnostic because they should That's be right. saying, what, you know, what is the best product for my patient? But at the end, if they're trying to facilitate quick and fast access to medicinal cannabis, um, then they might say, well, of the eight products that I'm an authorized prescriber for, this is a close fit. And mm. it, regardless of, you know, I potentially, in the case of many clinics, I potentially have a, a financial interest in this product, but, you know, um, you know, all, I'm, I can balance that out by saying that I'm actually giving this patient immediate access to medicinal cannabis because I give them the script and they take it to a chemist. So, yeah. And or reliable access in terms of, you know, companies that are able to provide that medicine ongoing. So we know that's been an issue as well. Mm. Traditionally, people getting a product and then it not being in stock. So if a company proves that they can actually produce that time and time again, that's very comforting, I think, for a lot of doctors. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so, I mean, I've, I've heard stories of like, um, like uh, a lot of the processes a lot of the clinics at least is they have like a nurse consultation right and you discuss with the nurse you know what might be appropriate for your condition your your, like your health history and um what you've tried and whatnot and sometimes in some cases even you know what you may prefer whether you prefer say an out or like an oil or or a flower right um uh, and that nurse generally you know hands it off to a doctor and um you know the doctor you have an appointment with the doctor after you know, a couple of days or whatever the time frame is. And uh, they're supposed to, you know, take that nurse's sort of advice a little, a little bit and, you know, write. A lot of the times they just pump them through and it's like, oh, he's, the, I'm just going to write a script for whatever the nurse recommended. Uh, a lot of times the doctor will actually talk to the patient a bit more in depth and find out maybe this wasn't appropriate. Um, and then there's a, a lot of times where the doctor will be like, no, that, nurse did not recommend um, the product that I have a financial stake in. So I'm going to change all of that advice and prescribe something that I have a direct stake in. Um, and it just coincidentally happened to be a new product that um, my company released on the market as well. So, um, you know, I, I just have ta- to ta- take that how you will. I mean, yeah. Your, your dog is going for it in the background. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Can That's what he does. He just likes to dig. Can we meet? Can we meet your? Yeah, dig? yeah, sure. Yeah. Hey, boy, what are you doing? Can we? Can we meet your your patient? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. It's a bit hard to see on camera because it's so dark. But here you go, champion boy. Who we got here? Hey. Hey. Here we go. We've got Mitch, Patience Andrew, here. and everyone else. <laughs> Very cute. Here you go, mate. Back to it. Very cute. So we've had now. Yeah, multiple guests on the show. So this is going really well. Um, <laughs> I think he wants to come back. <laughs> well, I um okay, I know maybe this is just me, but I feel like a lot of people listening, and that's by the way, the two people that will listen to this. Um, I feel that <laughs> I feel that people will go, hang on, you've got Steve on the podcast, you've got to ask him. What is the sort of price variability between legal products and black market products? Um, because, you know, I'm just wondering if the 90% of people that are getting black market products, is there really a genuine commercial incentive for them to go down that pathway? Or are there some black market providers that actually kind of come in pretty close to the legal providers? Like, uh, 
Yeah, that's that's actually a very, very good question. Because um, as you know, obviously I compile the data on, on pricing on both black market and legal products. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm not going to say it's irrefutable, but it's pretty damn close to that. Uh, I have good relationships with people on, on both sides of the industry, on both black market and legal side. Um, and, you know, like, you know, honestly, the, the perception is a little um, skewed um, by, you know, uh, people that are on, on, on the, I guess you can say, community side um, uh, uh, and on the black market side that their products are cheaper and they're better quality um, and that, you know, they're more easily obtainable. Um, I think I'll tackle each one of them like separately if I can remember what I just said. Um, <laughs> uh, say price-wise, right? Um, right now, if we're talking about oils, um, the legal market probably has the black market beat. If you're talking about CBD oils, um, and even THC oils. Um, this is both from, yeah. uh, uh, you know, just CBD, um, isolate point of view, um, but also full spectrum CBD and even, you know, like full, full spec, you know, one-to-one -one type ratios for THC CBD oils. Um, they've, the legal marketers, you know, got them beat now. Um, if you're talking price per milligram. Wow. I think I think the lowest one is legally is probably around I think six point six cents per milligram of cannabinoids. Um, black market, from what I've seen, and you know, uh, it's a bit more hard, more difficult to quantify from the black market side um, because you know it's not like they have websites. I mean, they do have websites out there, but um, there are people in the community, like genuine people, that are literally giving away product for free. And that is awesome. We need we need people like that. We need advocates like that, you know, um, to, to help people out. Because legally, say for cancer, you can't actually get prescribed um, legally. You can only get it prescribed for the symptoms like, um, from chemotherapy. Um, and also from a legal perspective, you can't get prescribed uh, FICO or RSO, um, which is like full extract cannabis oil or Rick Simpson oil. You, yeah. you can't get that stuff legally. You can't get cannabis oil at that potency legally, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so from a price well, point yeah, of view, sorry, yeah. actually, just one slight correction there, um, which is very minor, but you can get it for uh, terminal cancer. So in a palliative scenario, uh, yes, yeah. you get it for that, but you're absolutely right. You can't, it, it will never be prescribed for your cancer by an oncologist. It will only yeah. be you can't just walk into the GP and get it, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Technically, you could, you would be allowed access if you were written a script for it. Yeah. <laughs> but no doctor's going to do that. But unfortunately, the education is still lacking and a lot of doctors are just um, unwilling. They're not well, even unwilling. They're literally unaware. Um, yeah. It's definitely yeah. a conservative approach in Australia, which, which look, I... Do and don't agree with. I mean, I I, th I think the conservative approach in Australia is always there's a lot of things that it's great for, um, and it's protected a lot of people from you know, very negative outcomes. I think that um, you know, as we've seen overseas and the Lambert Initiative, even talking about at Institute talking about um, CBD, especially, I think that it's maybe a little little bit on the uh, conservative side, maybe mm. a, a bit too, uh, you know obviously dealing with it in Europe and dealing with America, it's just, yeah, you totally it's different random. approach, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's completely different. And, and it's, you know, looking at, at, at what point it becomes kind of toxic or dangerous. It's really, you're <laughs> still trying to figure it out, but it, it's yeah. more, the more data different. definitely needs more data still. I think, um, I think yeah, def definitely needs more data, but yeah, I keep wondering what the, um, the TGA and perhaps the relevant food safety um, government body in Australia makes of the fact that CBD is in a, you know, in the basically on the cusp of um, becoming a novel food in, uh, in Europe. Yeah. Europe. And so I just keep thinking, I wonder, like, what does the TGA make of that fact in terms of, uh, you know, how it should think of it only as prescription only at the present hmm. time i mean that, that See, i find i find that very interesting because australia we take all say the quality and standards from the european pharmacopoeia 
right? Yeah. Um, for the testing and everything for microbial, um, you know, bacterial, you know, uh, pesticides yeah. and metals and all that sort of stuff. So we, yeah. we're taking their standards on that, but we're not taking their approach and standards to the actual regulation of it. Ah, life's many mysteries in this yeah. industry. But, um, but they are, it, it is a poles apart position. Like if, if you have it as a food supplement, like, you know, Joe Rogan's having it in his energy drink when he does his podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm conservatively guessing that Joe Rogan has a few more viewers than we do, Mitch, but, but we'll get there. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, and then over here in Australia, it's, you know, strictly prescription only, at least for the time being until it mm. might be descheduled and, you know, mm. that. so, um, yeah, but returning to the, so we, pricing wise, I was really surprised to hear you say that the legal market has the black market beat. So then why do people go to the black market? Do you think? Well, but, but, oh, I'm going to add a caveat to that. Like, so that that's in respect to say oils. Um, yeah. I, I guess you'd say extracts. Um, as I said, like the cheapest is like 6.6 um, cents per milligram of cannabinoid content. Um, I think yeah, there, there probably are, products out there that are as cheap on the black market for CBD and THC oils, but the average price is probably around, you know, 10 to 15 cents per milligram on the black market. And here's, here's the thing is that uh, I'd like to say that like supporting the, the legal industry is actually a good thing. Um, you know, I support community leaders and the black market side of things like hundred percent. However, there's no quality testing um, there's people on Instagram selling stuff, you know, that's say CBD isolate three, 300 milligrams for $300 for a bottle on Instagram. Mm. Like that's, that's not right. That's, that's taking the piss. Yeah. Um, and people don't know people that are new to cannabis and CBD and you know, cannabinoid medicine. That's so you say 300 milligrams, like yeah, at 1%, yes, three, 300 milligrams in say like a 30 mil bottle for $300. So that at least, is at least there's CBD in that one. <laughs> some of them don't even have. <laughs> yeah, that's well true. You're still paying. You're still getting some cannabinoids, but like it's yeah, just but it's pretty. That's pretty. Deep. That's pretty bad. That's really bad. Like um, you know, like but you'd expect that to be about. That's right. <laughs> you'd expect it to actually be about thirty bucks. Well, yeah, that's right. You know, that's a ten times markup, and um, that's just nice. I mean, you could, for a legal product, I think so there's some products out there that have three hundred milligrams in one mil to, to demonstrate the you know potency. Um, you know, and yeah. probably that's, that's a CBD isolate as well. But it's like these are the differences. And so, so I was going to get back to the caveat of the pricing is that, say, in, in terms of flour, however, flour yeah. legally yeah. is still, you know, more expensive than street prices and black market. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately, that's, I don't know exactly what the reason is for that um, from an industry perspective. Um, uh, I imagine that part of it has to do with the fact that it's probably a little bit more difficult to import flour because it, it's not just um, like bringing in oil, you now need phytosanitary, you need to bring like there's a few more steps that you're dealing with the mm. in the bag as Potentially, well. Potentially, yeah. And, and the, other thing, the other thing I'd say is that even if you're growing it domestically, and there are some really good growers, I'm sort of trying on this podcast series to not really name companies or anything, and I'll, I'll keep to that. But I will say that um, there, there are some really good cultivators working domestically. And I think even for them, you know, their price point's got to be higher because they've got to have security infrastructure yeah. guards their greenhouse as per their ODC license. You know, they've also That's got right. to, you know, it's a, it's a like an actual proper project. Whereas, you know, you could be buying bush flour from a guy who grows it in his backyard in, you know, suburban. Yeah. So you, you, you know, can't, you can't equivalent, you can't um, like the, the costs are not equivalent. Um, the no. comparisons are, are not equivalent at all because uh, a, a backyard grower does not have the security requirements, the testing requirements at every single step of the process, you know, from, you know, from seed to, 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 to the little babies, to, to so the- you're talking to, about like gorilla growers out in the hinterlands don't have to produce the GMP? Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. <laughs> no, sure, no, they, they totally do. They totally yeah. do. 
which I've is got the certifications yeah. and everything. It's weird. The last <laughs> yeah. time I was out the, in that part of the world, I remember just seeing, you know, TGA auditors in white coats everywhere, just going through the mountains, just, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> keeping the standards up. That big white um, van. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, that that is, that's really interesting. Um, and in, in terms of, so we've talked pricing. What are some of you, uh, some other insights that you see between black market and legal market? Access, surely. So access is, uh, I think that was the third point, um, is, you know, yes, you can, you know, get CBD oil or um, you know, probably within 24 hours um, if you order online. Um, and that's when Australia Post is working at peak efficiency, which it hasn't been for a while now um yeah. but you know say call, just call it a couple of you know two three days right um if you're talking about flour um you know if you know a mate down the street or a mate of a mate or you got a plug somewhere um you know you get it in 15 minutes probably you know um you can't you can't compete that illegal can't compete with that unless they start opening actual dispensaries and taking like the u.s sort of approach yeah. to things um but like in terms of access to the legal side, it's actually not that difficult to, to get a script. Mm. And, you know, um, in, in my opinion, this is my opinion, um, it's not that really that expensive either. Um, yes, if you're comparing like total cost, um, yes, there are additional costs um, if you go down the legal pathway. Obviously, you have to pay for like, you know, um, actual consultation. Um, uh, the time probably takes a little longer, you know, um, and there's might be a little bit of a wait for say a TGA approval, um, and then getting your product, but you can get a product probably, uh, you really, it, the fastest I've seen is someone get like a product is probably within like 72 hours, mm. you know, they get their approval, everything like that, you know, associated pharmacies nearby, it's got the, uh, the official script and you can get it dispensed. Yeah. Um, average is I've probably like five days, but yeah, you've seen it quicker. Yeah. Well, for authorized prescribers, it's instantaneous. Oh, yeah. They just go if they have some. So some of those pharmacies will already ha like they might have that product in stock for repeats of another customer, and mm -hmm. then they might be able to use that in in the interim whilst they and then reorder that stock for the the repeats of the other customer. Yeah, yeah. I should say. So I've seen it almost instantaneous if you don't include maybe the referral time. So mm -hmm. that that was. So, yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, you see, so it just goes to show that there's, if you're comparing time frames, um, depending on your situation, that you know, um, they're they're almost on par. You know, I guess you know, depending on how urgent you you you've run out of your cannabis. <laughs> um, you know, I think uh, it's not, you know, like I, I wish there was compassionate access schemes, um, where people are, are say less well off like from a socioeconomic perspective um uh able to get you know medicinal um, cannabis um you know that is subsidized like it really should be on the pbs i understand the legal framework around that's very difficult um to, to get something on the pbs um it's difficult enough to get it on the artg um so you know th these are all hurdles for the legal industry to go through um unfortunately um despite all the millions of anecdotal reports and great data and peer-reviewed research that is out there um still apparently not enough which is really disappointing um but you know black market access like i said very easy you know there's people popping up on instagram every day new accounts selling cbd oil because it's a, apparently the new gold rush over the last couple of years um Brain rush. yeah i mean and, i've never I, i've never asked you this Steve, but do you follow kind of CBD, uh, I guess that dichotomy between the black market and the legal market, do you follow the, I guess, that activity abroad? So do you have a, do you know, do you have any sense of how big the black market is in other parts of the world? Unfortunately not. Um, I don't, I've, you know, frankly, I don't have enough time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I imagine from the reports I've read and everything like that, I mean, like despite the legal industry taking off um, in, in Canada and the US a bit, uh, the black market still, you know, like totally swamps the, the... But but hold on, is it really black market overseas in a, in a sense now? Yeah, this <laughs> it is... kind of isn't anymore yeah, <laughs> because is it's not... Yeah, because it's not prescription. Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah, and That's I suppose products, like products that we might think of as black market here. So, for example, yeah. very big website in the US, Charlotte's Web. Um, you know, if people order that into Australia, technically that's black market because it's not um, mm. it's not on the TGA's special access scheme list of yep. unapproved medicines. But, you know, so I, I guess that the reason for my question is I always think, you know, prior to the legalizing of, of medicinal cannabis in Australia, which sort of kicked off with the Victorian um, Access to Medicinal Cannabis Act in 2016, we've only really had an industry for you know, not nearly five years. And, you know, prior to that, it was all black market. If you wanted CBD in Australia, it was all black market. And so it, there's a clear relationship between the um, stringency of regulations and the size and scope of the black market. So the tighter the regulations are, the harder access is, the more, you know, you're prohibiting people from getting that. It just opens the floodgates to a black market. It's, it's you know, some simple um, economics. But, you know, when you have a more deregulated industry in other parts of the world, I, I'm just assuming that the black market doesn't thrive quite as as well as perhaps it does here in Australia. But I, I, I honestly don't yeah, know. Yeah, and this is the thing um, that I, 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 I sort of concur with that, that, you know, like if you have these barriers to entry, these over-regulation, you know, in some people's views, and um, in my opinion, um, you know, I think things could be easier. Things could be better from a bureaucratic point of view. Um, they are getting better, but they still could be a lot better. Mm. Um, you know, like when you put place restrictions on human freedom, you know, people are going to fight against it. They're just going to do it. You can't stop people from accessing something that, they want to access i'm yeah. not going to get in the whole like drug war um like you know um discussion or anything like that uh but you know we're, we're all human beings we just people just want better lives mm. it's as simple as that yeah. and if you stop people from getting their medicine they're gonna they're gonna grow it themselves they're gonna yeah. get it from someone that's not producing it correctly um yeah. because they're just gonna try it yeah you know? like the, i see the other day a, a meme that said Congratulations to drugs, by the way, on winning the war on drugs. Yeah, no, then it's, it's true. I mean, <laughs> and it's throughout history with the temperance movement, you know, prohibiting alcohol. Um, you know, suddenly you see moonshine showing up and, and all this. So, yeah, it, it's, um, no, it's, it's quite interesting. And I, I guess I hark back to our discussion a short time ago just around how you have it as a food supplement, like nothing in terms of access, that's got to be as easy as it, as it gets for, you know, getting CBD. Um, but here in Australia, we have gone down a different pathway where we've decided to, um, you know, treat it only as a medicine um, and, and create um, pretty stringent access requirements. I mean, you, you have to fail a first line therapy for your mm -hmm. indication in order to get access like that. These sorts of things just add, steps upon steps um, i'm not not at all here to be critical about that but i um i think that's why lambert has put out that data to just talk about how the black market still accounts for more than 90 percent of, of the black of the cbd that's consumed in australia mm -hmm. and yeah I, I would totally agree with that percentage if not it might even be higher um yeah. just purely because you know um stuff is being imported all the time in bulk i'm sure people install like you know, some of these black market sellers, um, some of them are growing it like locally, like say high CBD um, varieties of, you know, like cannabis or hemp. And uh, they're some people are importing bulk isolate from China, um, Europe, yeah. distillate, whatever. I don't know. And just mixing it on this end. Um, I don't know what people do with their different business models, but um, my, my issue with, I guess, all these Instagram sellers and stuff like that is that, you know, you're supporting someone's lifestyle. You know, this is an individual that's gone into this game to make money for themselves. And, you know, yes, I understand business. Like everyone's out to make a, make a dollar, right? But you're supporting someone's lifestyle that, you know, they're, they're going to tell you things that aren't correct to make a sale. Like yeah. it cures your ADHD or it cures your cancer or Parkinson's or whatever. Um, and that's that's wrong to me. That's just flat out wrong. Um, yeah. any, any moral, yeah. just so you can make a sale. 
Um, whereas if you support the legal industry, you know, you're supporting actual quality products. Um, you know, you're supporting the actual industry as a whole um, in providing tested medicine. Um, you're also supporting um, the industry from the point of view of there's data that is being acquired that's going to help push the entire industry forward and potentially allow homegrown and, you know, like, like full decriminalization and everything like that down the track, you know, because that data is going to be there. It's going to be irrefutable. Um, you know, ideally, you know, perfect world that would happen right now, but you know, it's baby steps, you know. Um, well, have you, in steps. the time you've been running CBD reviews and um, I'm mindful of time and certainly, you know, we'll, I, I, you know, if you'll accept our invitation, we'll be very, very pleased to have you back on for, um, for another. Absolutely. I'll accept right now. If you I'll make this my last question. Mitch might have one for you after me. Um, but I, yeah. yeah, I just wanted to see, in trying to end on a positive note, in the time you've been running CBD reviews um, and your, uh, I guess, you know, the endorsement that you've just given to the legal industry and all of the, the positive things that, that come from it, have you seen pricing come down in, you know, since you've been running, um, you know, around and getting a sense of pricing on all of that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, pricing for legal products has come down. Um, a lot of producers that have been, uh, like, products say have been out for a while have reduced prices but then there's been a lot of products that haven't in like 18 months two years they've literally released a product um at a really good price point that they haven't they haven't reduced it any further um they're still price competitive uh there's flour like that's becoming pretty damn close to street prices um that's growing locally as well um that, and uh, that obviously is tested quality, like different strains, more and more strains of flour are coming out, um, both imported and locally. Um, and, you know, price point, I think, yeah, legal prices are coming down, maybe not quick enough, but, you know, they are coming down. Um, black market prices, have, I, I would say, actually have remained stagnant um, because, again, you know, like, you know, they don't have the mass scale of production for instance so you can't really without you know doing like big grows or big extractions can't reduce costs um you don't have those like beneficial gains um i mean like even some black market products actually are still you know even though they're quality products they're charging double the price of legal products the, the equivalent legal products and uh, honestly i don't know how they're getting away with that um I don't know if people just want to support the black market and I'm all for supporting it because I 100% support the black market because without them, the people over the last few decades, you know, growing and making their own extraction things, the, the legal market wouldn't exist. Yeah. The, the demand wouldn't exist. Yeah. You know, I just wish that the legal side of things and the government would actually give people on the black market side a chance to actually say have small family businesses and having a, their own grows. Um, and getting a product to the legal market. I wish I mean, that was allowable technically, and doable. Technically, they could, in a way. Hmm. They could yeah. apply for a license. But it's, I it's, think, it's I think arguably, a lot of them would probably argue that purely because some of them may have like criminal convictions. So you're outright, you're, just, you know, right. you're, done, you're done right there. But um, there's a lot of lost knowledge there, I think. Uh, really a lot of lost knowledge. I mean, you yourself know, probably Mitch, like from, yeah. um, you know, from a cultivation side that, you know, there's people that have been doing it yeah. for, for decades. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, there's there's very, uh, there's good growers that have been doing it for, you, you're right, decades in, in Australia and in various places throughout uh, the outback. And, yeah, they, they'd be a massive asset to even some of the legal. And I, and I happen to know there's some people that have gone to legal cultivations from that uh, because they do have the knowledge, they do have the know-how. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, yeah, it, it'll be very interesting to see see uh what happens over the next couple of years uh, i think there's going to be maybe a few different shakeups that um well, who knows as things it's hard to imagine that it's going to be especially the cbd side of things so deregulated in other parts of the world and not here i mean we've taken the first step with the s3 stuff but we'll see hmm. see where it goes from there i guess i i do have a, a kind of a question in terms because because you are so ear to the ground 
Steve, if there was one question or like, it might be a tie between a couple or two or three, one question that you're just like, this is, this is the most, I'm on repeat here kind of answering the same question day in, day out. What would be <laughs> the, the, like the most asked question in, in, the, in the forums, in the feedback from the people that you just... That's a, that's a tough one. Um, there are a lot might of be questions a tie. there. It might be a tie. Um, I think one of them that's asked all the time is like, you know, how, how do I actually access cannabis, right. cannabis legally? What's the process? Um, mm. Despite all the resources and websites and uh, out there, you know, um, different social media groups um, on various platforms, doesn't matter if it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or what have you. Um, so many people have written guides and information, but there's still this, I guess, uh, you know, perception that it's difficult. Um, but really, it's really not that difficult. Um, I think another question is, um, you know, like, what is CBD good for my condition? Um, you know, will it like help? That's a, well, will it help my condition? And this, it could range from any number of conditions um, that people are just unsure of um, that there is research data out there that, yeah, and, you know, like CBD can be appropriate for many conditions, like a lot of conditions. Um, I'm not going to go into specifics or make promises or myself, but um, they're, they're probably the two most often asked questions. Or, well, actually, maybe another third. I'll check another. Where do I get it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then, I don't get it. you know, you see sometimes on those forums, some one of these, you know, rogue black market operators just jumps on and says, anyone's interested, um, here's my website, you know, come buy a CD. Yeah. yeah. So you usually know, get the old flick yep, from the pretty old much. Feed. Yeah. They get the raw get the old block and ban. <laughs> they get they get they get that. <laughs> they get put on the list. <laughs> so um, good. All right. Well, we might wrap it up there, but Steve, just want to say thank you so much for your time, your insights. Um, it really has been a pleasure to chat to you and we'll most certainly um, be having you back on. So yeah, most definitely. We could talk for hours, couldn't we? Um, before you hour. jump the gun, before you jump the gun, and I was just going to say, I, I know that Steve might have had some queries himself. I'm not sure if he still wanted to ask any of them if not we'll tie it up but uh, yeah i mean like uh, what i guess for, for you guys i um, mean mentioned earlier like um like your, your your license like how difficult is it to get uh, a license um that, that's that's you know? probably fun for the next episode but no um, <laughs> no it's um look two, I, two it's minutes two, two minutes <laughs> dot dot points <laughs> uh, license in two minutes yeah it's, yeah. it's about how long it to get it i think First of all, we're going to talk about which license. Um, so um, I think, you know, with the business that Mitch and I have um, as a sort of importer and supplier, um, you know, our license process is, is nowhere near as intricate um, as some of the other ones. So medicinal cannabis license, I, I'm because we're not in that space, I'm, you know, certainly not professing to know um, in, in great detail, all of the, the hoops that, that you have to jump through. Um, but I, I think at some point they were talking about unifying and just having a single license. I'm yeah, sure. I think they've, they've, they've sort of like done that now for um, the, like big, big scale projects. Um, yeah, yeah. So you, get, you know, you get your cultivation license, you get your manufacturing license. Um, I mean, the manuf I, you know, to some, to some extent, you know, getting a license, say, to grow from the ODC and, and proving that you're going to have adequate security around the greenhouse, you're going to have vaults where you store product. I mean, you, you basically, it's a really large part of it is, is developing um, standard operating procedures so that you can demonstrate what your operations, your processes are for running the business. Um, and on the so it's, very, so it's very, very paperwork heavy then, I imagine. It's very paperwork heavy. You have to submit that dossier to the relevant um, government authority. Um, I assume the same is true for the manufacturing license from the TGA. Um, but, you know, the, then, then there's the ongoing um, regulatory compliance side. So if your license, um, you know, requires that you, which, you know, it is actually a statutory condition of having a, 
um, a manufacturing license under the Therapeutic Goods Act that you manufacture the GMP standards, um, well, that requires, you know, an enormous outlay mm. um, of, of, of money to, to set up um, a lab that, that is GMP standard. So it's, it's a lot of work. It's not for the faint-hearted. And perhaps that ties back to your point about, um, you know, the, we talk about the patient access side, but if you want to be an industry participant, if you want to be a grower or you want to be a manufacturer, you want to get into extraction, um, you know, the, the bar is very high in Australia compared to other jurisdictions globally. So, um, you know, that's, some people would say, well, that's because we have, you know, rigorously high standards and that's a good thing. Um, others would say, well, there's something, you know, nice about the fact that say in America, you have, you know, mum and dad growers who have their little cultivation site, they get their biomass of flour, they supply it to a bigger fish who then, you know, accumulates it from a number of different community farms um, and then processes it into oil. Um, so, it, you know, it removes that, I, I guess, I mean, yes, the mum and dad growers in Australia could just go down the path of getting a consultant to help them get a license and, and all of that. But it's, the barrier is higher. Just, that's just a fact. So, so that's, that's, that's the, the Andrew Long version. I'm, I'll do the fun short version for <laughs> people listening, which is um, from the time. So Andrew and I work full time still actually, we're, which is quite, wow. we, we, um, we got a lot on the plate, but we do it because we're just passionate about it. And because we, something that runs, as you said, in the blood, but from pressing, <laughs> from Googling, how do I get a <laughs> license for cannabis to actually receiving it in the mail? Um, it took us probably, I'd say six, seven months from, um, and that would, was pretty much working. I don't, not nine to five because we're working, but probably five to nine or oh, five to one in the morning, pretty much five, six days a week uh, on top of, yeah, there was, there was quite a bit that went into it and that was wow. literally having not a clue how to do it and just yeah and, and, and i have to say big shout out to the victorian department of health and the office of drug control who fielded all our queries um you know however so naive they were um you know i have to say the the regulators are very proactive in in trying to help people understand what their regulatory obligations mm. are so I, I was very appreciative of that i got a lot of assistance from, from various officers at those departments with respect to the application process um but it's yeah it's not for the faint-hearted that's for sure mm. Mm. yeah you oh, only so, you so it, is, it is possible if you have the, the time and the money as with everything <laughs> well the, the import license is not actually that onerous in terms of finance it's not actually that's that expensive it's free yeah. so but but yeah, it's free. Wow. It's free, but you need um, to have a supply license from your state or territory Department of Health. And that costs. And that costs. So, oh, so I mean, in Victoria anyway, you know, our business has a Schedule 4 supply license which and a Schedule 8 supply license. And both of those, I think, were about 1200 each. And then it's a sort of $300 renewal um, every year. So it's a bit, but it's... It's yeah, but then the facilities are like depending on how you structure it, if you're having a facility that can hold that, and then there's yeah. So because you, you know, have you, you, need, you have, need like secure storage or something, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And and if you don't have an in-house lawyer like Andrew <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. to navigate it for you, it it it, it would be very expensive from a, a legal perspective. So I, it, it still is expensive, actually, Mitch. I just haven't invoiced the company yet. <laughs> That's good because you'll have to pay your own bill. Yeah, <laughs> take, uh, take it out of your own equity. Yeah, uh, yeah my bit's pro bono. But, uh, <laughs> um, no, uh, no, yeah. Look, look, it, it, it it's, it's kind of like anything. Like, you know, how much do you want to learn how to play piano? If you just sit there and play five hours every night, you'll probably be good after six months. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So probably, maybe not the best analogy, but it, it's basically if you you just do it, and the more you do it, the more you understand, and the more you understand, the more close you get to actually you know overcoming and we've had so many hurdles in the process or perceived you know it's been a, a roller coaster the whole way some days we're like yes we're going to do it we're going to be cannabis peak you know whatever and 
lords of cannabis, whatever, you know. And then the next day, I'll be like, what are we doing? Like, oh my goodness, I can't believe. And then this has come in and it's like, oh, we're not going to be able to do operate anymore, or we're not even going to get the license. Or it, it's it's a roller coaster, and it's not for the faint hearted. It's quite emotional, um, the whole process. And daily things change. And now, you know, we're looking at GMP regulations for imports that that might change the whole nature of the products we're allowed to import. Um, yeah. You know, which which like I see the pros and cons for that argument, but that's a whole other argument uh, or or discussion rather. Um, but you know, we're just at the moment we don't we're not even you know the freight companies is a it was a recent one they've all changed their policy. There's it, just day in day out. There's, there's always so something. Yeah. yeah, and I have to always. say, I, I kind of got locked into when we were doing it all that whole process. Like we got the licenses, you know, we started to you know, get doctors prescribing it. And it wasn't until we got contacted by a patient, um, and not to sound all, you know, kind of morally virtuous here, but, you know, the patient basically contacted to say that the product was really working for them, that I actually got to sit back and say, oh, that's what this was all for. (laughs) So it it makes it, it makes it all worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's you, you start there and, and you, you go through it with that kind of the motivating factor, but you you can lose track of it for a minute when you're so bogged down in, in the bureaucracy of it and like getting it and the pricing and the, the re, you know, we're, we're putting our own money into it. It's, it's our livelihoods that we're investing into yeah. this and it, beyond just, you know, the time and the, and the money. It, it's, it's, quite, it's quite an emotional journey. So to get to that point was, was very... Um, yeah, that was that was a really nice. Well, good, like, oh. good on you guys for doing it and, and sticking to it as well, because obviously it yeah. doesn't sound like it was easy. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, you know, like the, it, the other thing about it is that, was, like, I was just going to say, I mean, the craziest part was didn't we just supply canola oil to that particular patient? So you know, didn't even have any cannabinoids in it, you know, and, <laughs> and still still got to, <laughs> no, not canola oil, sesame oil. Oh, yeah. sesame oil, which just goes to show that the placebo effect is alive and well. But, so. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Because I can tell you that from the bloody, from, from the group of comments. That <laughs> we uh, need to add that just a little, that's, that, that's a joke. Just yeah, yeah. just to be clear, that was a joke, everyone. Yep. Um, but, um, <laughs> because, because if it wasn't, they'd be on the list. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, um, the funny part is when you say uh, getting a license, like, we too going into it thought that was the holy grail getting the license actually the license is the easiest part it's everything that comes after the license that is where the real work begins and we know that now but at the, at the time we're like oh yeah we got a license like free reign yeah cool we gotta do it That's and then it's like on oh, and it, it doesn't start until you get the license then the, the compliance after that um is really where it becomes and and like making sure that you're doing everything the right way with with doctors uh with pharmacies with the tga with the odc with the dhhs for us in, in victoria um with this the interplay between states the questions that come from the pharmacies the questions that come from the doctors making sure that you don't you present it the right way to doctors and you don't do it in a way there mm-hmm. and making sure that you have uh, keep your meticulous records of every single product um every single delivery Every single, it's just that everything is tracked. Everything, yeah. Your the freight alone is a whole thing. Like so, bringing it in and 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 the insurance on that, and then the customs clearance, and then uh, getting it to each pharmacies in your distribution list. And it's just like, okay, we got the license, but you can clearly see or quickly see that that's actually the easiest part, and it just gets way more difficult. Yeah, like so, like when you describe it like that, uh, it makes me think that it's actually amazing that legal prices are on par with black market prices. Like yeah, yeah. You talk about all these little steps, and so all the middlemen involved, um, you know, the whole process, and the bureaucracy and everything like that's actually to me that actually makes it more impressive that legal products are you know, on and- par and cheaper in some cases. So. And, and, and on top of that, and then add 20 to 25% right at the end, just for the pharmacy dispense fee. So, you know, that's, it would be that, that's, that's, look, it has to be that way. And I, that's just how it is. But um, 
and we love our pharmacies. Don't get us wrong. But at the same time, that, that, that's, a, that's a very, like, that's literally in some cases, a quarter of the price is just that fee. So it, it's that, it's quite, quite, well, depending on how expensive the product is, but yeah, it, it's, 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 it's a lot. That's a, see, that's a topic. That is a topic in, a, in and of itself, actually, of, of where along the process um, of, say, importing a product, Who's who's who, who's taken all the percentages along the process? Yeah. That would be a very interesting discussion in itself. Well, I, I might I might have a good guess for you for, for the next one for you guys. Oh, who's that? I'd like to discuss that. Um, I'll, we we'll, we'll chat offline. We'll chat off, we'll chat Let's keep it secret. I like this. We um, you know, we have all of our two listeners. Secret. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um. But no, it's, it is a really interesting product. And I mean, all I'll just add to that as a kind of a, my full stop on it is that that's one area where, of course, the domestic growers, despite potentially higher labor costs in Australia compared to wherever it's being imported from, they can really edge out because they don't have to pay the, they're not importing, so they don't pay import duty, you know, or anything like yeah. that, um, freight, insurance, all those. So. Yeah, it's definitely some benefits to, to having it grown and having a really strong domestic industry. But um, we will, if Mitch, am I allowed to finish it now or did you want to take us all right. half hour? <laughs> um, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Really cannot thank you enough, Steve. And um, yeah. No, we'll, thank you for the opportunity. Um, uh, it's been great chatting to you guys. As always. Mate, not at all. It's, it's fantastic to have you on. We love chatting as always. Yeah. We'll do this again for sure. So Definitely. Uh, all right, we'll take care and uh, until the next time, um, keep on reviewing. Yeah, we'll do. And uh, you guys keep plugging away. We'll <laughs> do. Catch you, Steve. Okay. Thanks, Steve. Cheers, mate.